Hey guys, this is Pastor Mark Warren from Church at the Crossroads. Thank you for checking out our podcast. My prayer is that you're encouraged and challenged as you hear, understand, and obey God's Word today. I am, I am really excited today. Uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at the second part of Romans chapter 8. And we are going to hit on something today that I think is absolutely, um, absolutely life-changing as far as the Christian life. And we're going to look at, um, Paul, Paul has talked in Romans, he's, he's started off with the gospel, and he's talked about how we're separated from God because of our sin. He talks about salvation, faith. He uses Abraham as an example, and then as we move into chapters 6, 7, and 8, Paul is talking to us about how to live the Christian life. Many of us, um, I would say most of us here, we've surrendered our life to Christ. We want to follow and obey Christ, and our joy as a Christian comes as to whether or not we're able to follow Christ. If we are up and down in the Christian life, that affects us uh, spiritually as well as emotionally. And, and this uh, word in, in God's word today really deals with spiritual change and spiritual growth. That God, when he saves us, he does not save us to, uh, to be discouraged and to be in bondage to sin. God saves us to be able to live the Christian life, to know him and to make him known in what we do and in our communication with the world. So let's look as we get into the text. I want you to, uh, let me just make sure I've got this thing working. Uh, let's see, I press this little button here, and I go up, and I go back, and there we go. Okay, here's what I want to start with, is there is in education today, many years ago, probably 20-some years, 30 years ago, the main thing in education, they were teaching educators to teach people to think critically, to examine things rationally. And that was the big push. Well, a uh, number of years ago, not that long ago, there was a shift in this whole thing of the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset began to be something that they were sharing with educators. And I don't know about you in your workplace, but you have books that you have to read or you have seminars that you have to go to. And many times you look at those with a certain level of skepticism and you think, well, they're about 20 years behind or what they're saying is not relevant. But as I read this book and, you know, and I try, I try to, when I check a box saying that I read something, I actually, I try to do it, you know, just out of integrity. If I said I read it, I want to read it. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to read it like this. I'm going to read it quickly, but I am going to read it. So I had to read this book called Mindset. And, and I knew we were going to discuss chapter one or two, so I made sure that I covered those chapters. And as I read it, I started thinking, you know, this is kind of a spiritual principle, because it was not a Christian book that I was reading. The author was not a, um, a dedicated Christian writer who would go into the space of writing Christian books. And I said, this really makes sense. And what it is, 
is a fixed mindset, is the belief that that child in your class, is that's how they are. That if, if little Johnny is not good at math, little Johnny is just not good at math. And the growth mindset was that wherever little Johnny is in math, he can get a little better. And when you view those students, you don't look at them like, well, that's just how they are. They're never going to change. They were born that way. They cannot progress. And the growth mindset was, we're going to make mistakes, you know? There's going to be days that uh, we have a hard time paying attention. There's going to be days when we get distracted. There's going to be days when we, uh, as one student told me this year, I said, Josh, do you have your homework? He says, it's in Chicago. I said, I've been teaching school for a long time. I've never heard somebody say that. I said, that's original. I mean, that is really... He said, well, my mom went on a business trip, and she was checking it, and she... Okay, that makes sense. But still, I just think that's, that was like a classic. Where's your homework? It's in Chicago. So, but anyway. So, but the growth mindset would say that, yeah, Josh forgot his homework, but by teaching him some... Uh, management skills, self, uh, self-management skills, teaching him some organizational skills, helping him get a notebook and be more organized, in encouraging him and being supportive that by the end of the year, he can actually be a student who would come to class and be prepared, have his homework and be organized. That just because that first day when you look at that notebook and everything's all over the place, that's not a life sentence. That we're all in process, we're all growing, and we're all changing, and with positive spiritual uh, encouragement and insight and following the teachings in the scripture, we can grow to become more like Christ if we transition and apply this to the Christian life. And as I've studied Scripture, and I'll be honest, when I first started thinking about this, I said, I'm going to have to really look at Scripture because I don't want to be, um, I, I don't want to read into God's Word something that's not there. I want to make sure I'm studying the Word of God and saying, what does the Word of God say? And as I've looked at these and I've studied these, I'll let you decide, but I do think there is a spiritual principle that God has called you and I to have a growth mindset spiritually and not a fixed mindset. That if you're in here today and you're struggling with uh, gossip or anger or you're struggling uh, with different things, that you can grow spiritually and change. You can overcome weaknesses and that you actually can become more like Christ and have less of the struggle than you have today. Let's look at uh, God's Word. Paul says that he considers that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul draws a contrast, and he said, as he wrote to the believers, he says, there was suffering in the first century. Those that Paul wrote to were experiencing persecution and suffering. So Paul makes a statement that in the Christian life, there is going to be the experience of conflict. There's going to be affliction. There's going to be persecution. Peter writes, for all those who live godly in this world will suffer 
persecution. And that's a reality that Paul begins with in this letter. For the creation, Paul writes, and now he's going to explain why in, a, in the world that we live in, because you and I are out of relationship with God and we live in a fallen world, Paul's going to under, explain why there is a suffering and conflict. He says, for creation, meaning us, we wait in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We're waiting for God to develop us into his final plan for us, which would include not just our justification, where we become Christians, not just our sanctification, where we grow spiritually, but also our glorification, where we're in the presence of the Lord and we see him as he is, and in we do that, we are made perfect in Christ. Paul explained the gospel is that God is involved in the affairs of the world, that God has a master plan to reach people and to develop people spiritually, to reach people. As I pray for the church, as I pray for a church of the crossroads, and I think of our vision, people would say, well, what, what exactly is the vision? Well, here's our vision. We want to reach people with the gospel, the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And we want to teach them how to follow and obey Christ. And then we want to train them to go out into the world and reach and teach other people. That is at the, the thought behind everything that we do. We don't just plan random events and say, okay, we're going we're gonna to make hot chocolate for the Christmas parade. Or, or we're going to play music over at Vito's with one of our bands. It's not random. There is a master plan in that we would meet people, we could invite people, we can encourage people, we could listen to people, we could get to know people, and that they could come to church, and then come into church, they could hear the gospel through relationships with other people, through friendships, through the preaching of the word, through special music, through the worship of God in our music, that people would come to Christ and then that they would desire to grow in their relationship with Christ, and that they would be able to use their gifts to serve Christ in the context of a local church. The local church is God's design to how to involve his people in the communities. There's a lot of great ministries, there's a lot of great things that go on, but if every local church in all of these communities would begin to grow spiritually and begin to change for the good of the gospel and not have a fixed mindset that we've been this way for 100 years and by God's grace we're going to stay that way for 100 more. No, that we would actually change and grow to be more like Christ and that we would reach our community, then God would accomplish the plan that he is working even when we don't see him, he's working to accomplish these things in the world through the local church. And Paul says that creation was sub subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. So otherwise, when sin entered the world, and you and I are separated from God because of sin, God has allowed that sin to reap the consequences. He allows us to reap what we sow. And thankfully he does. 
Because could you imagine trying to teach your children to do what is right and wrong if there was no consequence when they did the wrong thing? If evil is treated the same way as good, how will we know to change and correct, correct our ways? So God has allowed consequences to be real. And we experience those consequences, and we have to deal with them and work through them. In hope, Paul writes, that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. So as sin reaps its consequences, the hope is, Paul says, is that men and women will realize that they need a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that they will repent of their sins, place their faith in Christ, and then be spiritually transformed through the renewing of their minds as they allow the Holy Spirit to teach them and to guide them and to lead them. Paul writes that we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. And although there are good things that happen in the world and God does many things, we realize that this world is not the best that God has for us, that the best is yet to come. And that's why the redeemed, those who know Christ, believe not just in God being glorified in the present, but that God being glorified throughout all eternity as he conforms us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul declared that the glorious future that God has planned for those who follow and obey him. God has a glorious plan. The Bible says that for all things work together to the good of those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. See, as believers, as followers of Christ, we have a deposit. We have the Holy Spirit that lives within us and gives us a glimpse of the future. Although we struggle even in this world, we know that in the next world when sin is destroyed, when death is destroyed, and we're in the Lord's presence forever, that those things that held us back, that are done away with, will allow us to be in God's presence. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. Now, we are redeemed because we're in Christ, but we do not have our resurrected bodies. Praise the Lord. We have a hope that one day we will have that resurrected body because of our faith in Christ. Paul described the role of the Holy Spirit in God's plan for the world, that what God is doing, he's doing through the Holy Spirit. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Our spiritual growth and our future glorification when we're in the presence of God is seen by faith. We wait for it. We pray for it. So that when you and I come to Christ, when somebody comes to Christ... They're not perfect. They're not perfect. And if you're going to be involved in discipling people and helping people and encouraging people to grow, and if you're going to grow spiritually, there has to be that hope, that waiting, that faith, that you realize that God is doing something that requires time. 
There is no instant sanctification in life. Now, when you and I come to Christ, there are some bad habits that we let go of. We say, you know what? I used to curse. When I became a Christian, I, I stopped cursing. I just stopped doing it. It wasn't that hard. But there are other areas that take time. And as I follow Christ and I become a follower of Christ, I realize there's areas that God would grow me spiritually that I had no clue those areas even existed before I knew the Lord. And you and I might experience. There are people that you will meet who are new in the Lord that have no clue that they're doing certain things that are not, not pleasing to the Lord. And that's part of growing and hearing the Word of God and growing in our faith and our knowledge of the Word. Paul encouraged believers to wait on God and trust his plan for their lives. If we could just be persistent in our study of the Bible, in our prayer, in our commitment to the local church, many things would work their way out. God would help us grow. But you and I struggle with this thing in America called impatience. We have a microwave mentality that we want to say a prayer. We want to walk down you know, to the altar and say a prayer and have everything fixed just like that. Well, I believe there are breakthroughs, and I believe God can move, and God can move your heart. But there are many things that are going to require time and prayer and effort and some struggles, ups and downs, where you have to work through a process of growing spiritually to become the person that you want to be. And the temptation is to pretend to be in denial where we minimize what God has actually expected of us and we don't understand what God wants us to do. Paul writes, in the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We are not alone. We do not know what we ought to pray for. How many of you are facing things that or struggles that you actually have come to the point you just don't know how to pray for the situation anymore. You don't know. You, you think, you know what, I, I used to think I wanted this, but now I, I'm just not sure. What I really want is for it to just be fixed. And what you're saying, what the Holy Spirit is saying within you, is what you really want is for God to be glorified. That you don't know in the human, in the natural, what is right and wrong in a particular, particular situation. But your prayer is that in your life and through your life, that you would be pleasing to the Lord and that you would bring him glory. Even if that means suffering. And that's how God wants us to become. That's how he wants us to mature. That it's not about us. When we think we know what we want in every particular situation, you know, there are times, yeah, you, you knew what you wanted, but there are times when you and I have gotten exactly what we wanted and regretted it because it wasn't what was best. We saw only in the moment we didn't see the big picture. And what Paul is saying is the Holy Spirit in us is crying out to God in our spirit to direct us to become more like Jesus Christ and to bring glory not to ourselves, not to our church, but to our Lord and Savior Jesus. That we would bring glory to God, even if it meant wading through a season of discouragement or suffering, that God would use those hard times to accomplish a greater good in us spiritually. There's some of us, if we got everything we wanted, 
it would make us selfish, more selfish. So God withholds, and God denies, and God says yes, and God says no, in such a way that we will grow spiritually, and that we will become more dependent on him, less dependent on ourselves, and more focused on his glory, and less focused on our particular ambitions. He who searches our heart knows the mind and spirit. God knows you and I better than we know ourselves. He knows our tendencies. Not only does God know what you did, God knows what you would do under any particular circumstance. God knows what you and I would have done if we were in the garden. God knows what you and I would have done if we were Mary or Joseph or Paul or Peter. He knows the choices that we would have made in those particular situations because he knows us that well. And he works all of these things out to accomplish his will and his purpose. Because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. God is not rearranging this world to accomplish our plans. God's rearranging the world to accomplish the plans of the one who created the world in such a way that he does not violate human free will. That God created us with human free will. That we make choices and there are consequences to those choices. But God, and it is a mystery how he does it, he's able to take all of these choices, good and bad, that are made into work things towards a culmination of a world that would bring glory to God where Jesus will return and receive us to be with him. And we're part of that plan to reach as many people as possible, to grow as close to Christ as we can, and to influence and encourage as many people as possible to become more and more like Christ. Paul described the comfort and hope that comes from the Holy Spirit, our intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And we know, and this is the verse that I quoted, that many of you have memorized. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? It's that you and I would become like Christ and that we would bring God glory. Now, we get upset when we don't accomplish what we want. Because if we leave here today and we're going to Bush Gardens like we did on Monday, we wanted to ride as many rides as we could. We really did. And if there's anything we could have done to simply get into the fest house and eat a meal in the warmth, we would have. But there were circumstances that did not allow that, that we could not control. We could not control the 30-degree weather. We could not control the, the fact that everybody collectively at the same time wanted to go to Bush Gardens on Monday <laughs> and arrive there at the same time and be in the same part of the, the park. There are many other places, but they chose to be at the same place we chose. We couldn't control any of those things. But what we could do is have a good time and work together to make sure that my daughter got a turkey leg. So there was, there was fellowship, there was cooperation, there was, uh, there was unity. For the most part, we didn't complain. I think we had a good time and we laughed. And I think we collectively said that 
This will not go down as the greatest Bush Gardens trip that's ever been. It will not go down, but it will always be memorable because we froze together. <laughs> and we waited in line together. And we had rides closed, just randomly closed, because it was 39 degrees instead of 40. But it worked out. And as we look back on that in the grand scheme of things, there are going to be many circumstances like that. That if we have to get our way in every particular circumstance, you know, if we demand our way in every step of our day and in every situation, we're, we're going we're gonna to have high blood pressure. We're going to have anxiety because life does not always work that way, you know, nor do we want to live in such a way that we're so passive that we don't care and we don't try. But it is a fine balance. And God is working in the circumstances around us. He's working in us through the Holy Spirit, through his word being taught, through worship, to help us grow and mature and be able to make the best out of life that we can, to become as close to Christ as we can, and to encourage as many people to follow in the same way. Paul said that God is working even when we don't see him in the lives of believers to accomplish his plan. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Before you received Christ, God had a plan for you to become like Christ because he knew the day that you would surrender his life to him. Often I've seen people walk into the church and they come in and they don't, you know, maybe because of their background or whatever, they don't know who Christ is. They don't have a relationship with Christ. But I can see God working in their life already. Before they surrender to Christ, I can see God working in them and moving in them so that it does not surprise me when they stand before the church and they say, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to follow and obey Christ you begin to see God working. For some, time, for some people, it begins with a receptivity to the people of God. I know when somebody starts to be friendly to me, if they know I am a follower of Christ, if they know that the, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins, that he rose from the dead, and I want to follow and obey him, if they know that about me, and they accept me in friendship with me, and if they accept you and they know that you are a follower of Christ, that's a step in the right direction. That even though they might be involved in all types of craziness, self-destructive behavior, if they receive you, if they accept you, if they start hanging around with you, if they receive your invitation to come to church, if they listen to the music you listen to, if they listen to the word of God preached and they begin to draw closer, just like people slip away from the Lord, you see people slip closer to the Lord. If you see those signs, continue to pray, encourage, because God is working in their life. And even before they come to Christ, God has a clear plan that he wants that person to follow and obey him and to become more like his son, Jesus. Paul said that God's plan for us is that we would be transformed into the image of God. 
And those he predestined, he also called. That he, those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Justification, being made right by God through faith in Christ. Sanctification, growing to become more like Christ. Glorification, made perfect in the presence of the Lord, where you're no longer struggling with sin, you're no longer affected by death. We, we move towards that progression in life. You know, and if you have Facebook, you see people that you know. I saw a parent of a student that I taught 15 years ago, you know, passed away, and you're constantly seeing people move from this life to the next life. It is, it is a fact of life. And that's why this precious time that we have, it's so important that we live in light of eternity and that we grow spiritually and we help other people begin a spiritual walk with Christ and to grow in that spiritual walk. Those who read Paul's letter received instruction on how to grow spiritually. The people who picked up this letter, the Roman church, the church at Rome, would have found insight how they could live the Christian life. And when you and I read this same letter that they read 2,000 years ago, it gives us the same insight in our particular context. Things are a little different. We're not quite like that particular culture. But the principles are the same. How do we grow spiritually? How do we develop a spiritual growth mindset? How do we develop a mindset that will grow spiritually in this day and time in this context? First off, we need to recognize that spiritual growth occurs in the context of challenging circumstances. Rather than trying to control everything in your life, protect your children from every challenge, Rather than trying to just live in denial, recognize that the challenges you and I will face when we walk out of this door are part of God's plan to help us grow spiritually. That God did not just suck us up to heaven when we got saved. He allowed us to remain in a world with challenges, ups and downs, good and bad. You know, it rains on the just. It rains on the, the unjust. We live in a world of good circumstances and challenging circumstances. And that is part of what will help us grow spiritually. Second, recognize that spiritual growth occurs when we rely more on God's spirit and less on our flesh. See, we want to do everything in our own strength. You know, you look at the young Michael Jordan and the young Kobe Bryant, pure strength, Young, we don't mention him. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you look at the young basketball player, full of the strength. The older basketball player, full of wisdom and insight. And that's how it is spiritually, that when we're young, we're strong, the Bible says. But as we grow older, we mature and we take on wisdom and we realize the role of the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and to help us grow. We grow in patience. We grow in love. We grow in forgiveness. I was thinking today, what are some things that I would pray that there would be a change for the church of the crossroads? We pray that unforgiveness would become forgiveness. Pray that 
Lust would become love. Pray that pride would become humility. Those are changes that God wants to make in us. Those are behaviors that affect our relationships. They affect our spiritual growth. And you know yourself better than anyone else in the room probably. You know where you need to change. You know the areas that you, you struggle with. And God is graciously saying through the Holy Spirit in Romans, in the book of chapter 8, the book of Romans, that God wants to help you change spiritually and to grow to become more like Christ and to overcome, to turn your weaknesses into your strengths. To instead of being known as a person who's unforgiven, to be known as a person of grace and forgiveness and mercy. God can do that. God can change. Look how he changed Paul. Look how he worked in jo the life of Joseph. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant these things for evil, but God has brought good out of these things because God is in control. He's working even when we don't see him in that situation. He's still working to accomplish his plan for us as he was in the life of Joseph. So whatever hurt you've experienced, whatever mistreatment you have been through, that God does not cause, he did not cause that, but he can use that to help you to grow spiritually. He can use that to bring his grace and his mercy into that situation. Recognize that spiritual growth occurs when we wait on God in hope and expectation. The devil wants you to complain about God and live in despair and, and regret. He wants you to give up. He wants you to say things like, this will never change. This is always bad. This always happens to me. That's just my... I remember one time I was, I was doing... Um, I quoted somebody some car insurance, and they bought some car insurance. And as, as it would happen, as many people do, they forgot to pay the bill. And you know when you forget to pay the bill, it lapses, and it goes out of benefit. And that person said, just as it goes out of benefit, just as it lapses, they just happen to get pulled. And when they get pulled and then they don't have the coverage, bad things start. And it's like a, a snowball effect. And they were at the DMV trying to fix this, this problem, trying to get the insurance back. And it was a mess. All, all self-inflicted. All self-inflicted. Self it was a mess. Okay, and they made a statement. That's just part of the so-and-so curse, and they named their last name. So that's not, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. That's not biblical. You know, God has not looked at you and said, well, your last name is so-and-so. That means, okay, that means nothing but bad things happen to you. That's a lie from the devil that we determine by our choices and our walk with the Lord where we grow spiritually. Yeah, you might have some bad circumstances, but God has a greater plan than your particular circumstances. Number four, we need to recognize that spiritual growth occurs when we allow God to turn our weakness into strength. This is not always comfortable, folks. It is not comfortable being vulnerable and allowing God to work with us through weakness. 
but we have to face the areas that we need to change. We have to, uh, Paul says, in our weakness, he is made strong. That it's in our weaknesses that God becomes our strength. And that way he receives the credit, he receives the glory. Number five, we need to recognize that spiritual growth occurs when we allow God to use our circumstances to make us more like Jesus. When we allow, and you guys can go ahead and uh, jump on up here. When we realize that God uses our circumstances to humble us, to teach us, to expose our weaknesses so that we can confess them, so that we can experience his grace, so that in humility we, we cry out to him and we ask the Holy Spirit to work in our life. If we didn't know our weakness, if we didn't, if we didn't stumble and fall, we wouldn't realize how much we need the Lord. And those things happen as we follow and obey Christ. We're going to... Um, Cliss is going to sing a song that God is working even when we don't see him. And I, I encourage you to just pray and, and think of the areas that you're struggling with, uh, the areas that you know you need to grow in, and, and pray and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede for those areas. Allow the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom as to tangible things that you and I can do to change, to develop a plan, to read God's word more, to grow in faith in those areas, and that you just ask God to forgive you for giving up on yourself and giving up on other people. Ask God to forgive you for perhaps being unforgiving or critical. You know, I had a thought this morning, and it's kind of unrelated to the message, but if we wanted a tremendous revival in Church at the Crossroads and in churches across America, if I could have one thing, if I could just ask God like Solomon for one thing, what would it be? And i tell you what mine would be. So if every person that sat in a pew in a church or a seat, if every person who came to a local church would just say in 2022, I'm going to release the critical spirit. I'm going to cast out the critical spirit in Jesus' name. That everyone who came into a church that would say, you know, rather than just picking apart everything that goes on and criticizing and finding fault with everything, I'm going to have a positive expectation for what Jesus can do if people love him and obey him. I'm going to give people second chances. I'm going to stop being annoyed with other people. I'm just going to love people and accept them. And I'm going to take this right here and I'm going to go, and I'm not going to criticize so much. Because it's like a poison, and, and, and it's all over. And, you know, you, you sit down with, it's almost like the third law of thermodynamics, that if you get any two or three Christians together, every conversation will eventually lead to criticism of other people. we got to change that. If we're going to really believe that God has a growth mindset for people and for churches, then we have to believe and expect that God can help people get better and grow and, and that the weaknesses that just annoy us so bad that we can maybe be part of a solution, that we can pray for the people at the very least and encourage people and just pray because the truth of the matter is we're all struggling with something. 
And if God would work in one of us, it would encourage all of us. So let's pray and, and just ask God to work in our hearts and develop a, a growth mindset, a spiritual growth mindset where we would believe that God wants us to grow and change and become more like him because he is working in us and through us. Thanks for joining us today. Visit us at crossroadsahoski.com for more information, additional resources, and service times.